cutting-edge conversations with the Quant community. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Quantcast, Riston Net's podcast on quant finance. I'm Mauro Cesar, and my guest for this episode is Valer Zetoka, head of quant services for equity and effects at uh, Julius Baer, based in Zurich. Hi, Valer. Great to have you here. How are you? Hello. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for the invitation. Uh, I have to tell you from the start that I'm a big fan of Quantcast, and it's uh, a great pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you. And uh, for us, uh, it's a great chance to interview you uh, and uh, too good one to miss. Uh, in the past few months, you published with us two very interesting papers, and I wanted to hear about those works directly from you. So thanks for joining. Um, the first paper you published was in October 2022, and it showed a novel way to build an implied volatility surface for illiquid assets. Uh, the second, we just published it at the beginning of January, uh, January 23, and uh, uh, it is on the risk that a dealer runs on the mini futures market uh, in case of large uh, price spikes. Uh, now, let's start from this, uh, this latest one. First of all, mini futures are not e-mini futures. So just to avoid misunderstandings, could you, could you clarify uh, what is a mini future and uh, how uh, its market works? Absolutely, that's a good point. Uh, uh, people uh, tend to confuse them with e-mini e futures, which are just uh, uh, small notional futures. The, uh, the mini future that, uh, that uh, um, I discussed in the paper um, is a product that provides uh, leverage exposure to some underlying, which can be equity, FX, um, even digital assets, anything basically. Um, and uh, it does it in, a, in, a, in an automated way. Um, in the past, uh, traditionally, the, it was the brokerage account that allowed for um, leverage by uh, letting people to trade on margins. And uh, when the market went against the position, there was a margin call, and if that was not um, uh, acted upon, then the liquidation came. Um, the mini future does all this in an automatic way. So if you, for example, take the long mini future, um, this one is structured as a down and out call with, with a barrier, which is tracked at uh, the strike or slightly above. Um, and um, then if the uh, if the market goes down or the, the underlying goes down and touches the barrier that everything is is uh, the mini future is knocked out um and if not then then at the maturity um the um the the holder of this uh, mini future is, uh, uh retrieves the the value of the of the of the call at maturity now this this um the, the setup it's actually, in my opinion, it's actually even better than in the old brokerage account because it, it provides not only the leverage, but also a protection against big drops in underlying. So um, it guarantees the level at which the um, um, stop loss is executed in a way. And uh, also, not uh, not uh, not to to forget about this. It it also imposes some discipline on on, on investor because uh, one of the uh, reasons why investors end up losing money is that they 
they hang on their hope that uh, a position will turn uh, good, even though it's going against them, and they don't have this discipline to to cut it down. And this actually does mm. that for them. So it's 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 really it's really a good uh, uh, good product. So you're saying there's a stop loss there naturally uh, uh, by construction. Yes, and it's and and the level of at, at which the stop loss is executed is is, is actually guaranteed. So it's it's not like a normal stop loss where you would be filled wherever is possible, but mm. it actually it it is the level is guaranteed. So it, yeah, so it doesn't depend really, on uh, yeah, it doesn't depend on liquidity. You mean exactly? All right. Um, actually, a, a question that springs to my mind: um, Is there any similarity with uh, total return swaps? The barrier is not one, obviously, but in terms of uh, for the investor viewpoint, apart from the barrier, are they similar? Well, they they allow for um, for getting exposure to some underlying, but but here you have um, you have that leverage that can be from five, ten, sometimes even even bigger, depending on where exactly you enter into the position. And then, uh, then here's that protection against the the big big jump, big big, big drops in in the underlying. That is very very valuable. I see. And how big is this market? And uh, does it trade through uh, OTC or uh, through exchanges? Well, many futures typically trade as as warrants, and mainly in in European markets. There is a little bit in Asia as well, but almost nothing, as far as I'm aware, in 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 US. Uh, Germany is by far the, the biggest uh, market in Europe, um, and uh, uh, DAX I think is the the most liquid underlying, um, um, where there is a lot of going on, and it's 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 also traded with with uh, tightest spreads. Um, it is mini futures are also traded OTC, and most of the banks that are involved in the business they uh, um, invite the investors to. To to get um, um, into mini futures through through their uh, private channels, so they would have a, a, a website where where the, the the clients of the bank would go and purchase directly the mini futures from there. So it's it's a bit hard to to estimate exactly the um, uh, the size of the of this market, but um, I'm sure um, it's safe to say that it's. Uh, um, of the order of tens of billions or, or, or more. Right, right. Um, so let's go into the uh, the modeling of uh, the price. So what, what is the standard model for, for the pricing of mini futures? Well, to understand a little bit about um, about the, uh, the the way to price the mini futures and, and the, 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 the gap risk, well, um, let's 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 uh, think a little bit about the risks that are involved. So, um, let's say that the trader sells a, a long mini future. Uh, here, clearly, the, the 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 main risk the main risk is delta. So he needs to cover the delta, but that's very easy because he he, he um, buys 100% of of the underlying. And and uh, and then um, he has a static hedge that. Uh, in principle, uh, you could think that you can hold it until the expiry or until uh, the barrier is touched. And when when the barrier is touched, then you just undo your delta and um, 
and there you go, you have a perfect, perfect hedge. Except that there exist these big jumps. And if the jump happens that brings the underlying below the barrier, the trader uh, is only able to undo the delta at the, at, the, at the level that is below the strike. So this difference between the strike and the level where he or she undoes the delta um, is uh, is something that is 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 a direct uh, negative PNL. So so therefore, um, the most important thing that you need to take care in in mean future is to model um, this possibility of crossing the barrier in a in a very sudden move, and that can be either caused by by a big jump or a catastrophic jump, or um, it can also be caused um, by the fact that the market closes for overnight, and um, um, if the move happens overnight, the trader cannot undo his uh, his or her position because it's uh, the, the 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 market is closed. Therefore, you have actually two sources of of the risk. One is this catastrophic jump, and the other one is uh, the uh, overnight closed market period. And um, <clears throat> Um, in terms of uh, in terms of what is used now in in, in uh, by banks, there are actually two camps uh, of uh, of traders. Some of them don't require any model or don't don't uh, uh, use any model. They just offset the price of the mini future with some with some um, value. Uh, and the other camp is uh, is the one that requires automatization and and sees the benefit of a, of a model. Um, the former camp is shrinking, so more and more people are are are, are using a, a, a model. Um, there is uh, not that much uh, information available of uh, of what is uh, what is used, and as far as I know, there is no no standard yet or no no model that we use uh, uh, by everyone. But uh, anecdotal evidence points to to use of jumps in one form or or another. I see. I see. So, what is the problem that you spotted into uh, in this market, and uh, what is the risk connected to to the sudden moves, uh, the large jumps that you just explained? So, so there there are uh, two types of mini futures. The, if if you look at the maturity, so the, the first one is in a way the standard setup of an option where you have uh, a predefined maturity, and uh, um, the the product ends either by by touching the barrier or expiring at that predefined maturity. The other one, which is kind of the most interesting uh, brother of the two, is the is the the so-called open-ended, where you don't have a maturity predefined, but it the product can terminate either when it touches the barrier, the the, the barrier, or when either of those of the of the parties in 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 the uh, trade decide to to end it uh, by calling or putting the product. Uh, so there is there, there are actually um, arguments to show that this putability or callability will never be actually triggered. And the reason that is very simple, from the point of view of the client or the buyer of the mini future, exercising the mini futures mini future at the at the intrinsic level uh, is similar to 
exercising uh, an American call option when there are no dividends, you would just lose the time value of, of mm, that. Mm -hmm. you, you, would, you would just lose the protection, the gap protection. And if if the the client actually wants to get out of the trade, he he could he could simply sell it back. So there is no he would never exercise it. On on the other hand, the the, the bank would never um, uh, call the product either because there are um, big um, um, uh, there are there are uh, uh, reputational there is reputational risk uh, mm. involved with this, uh, and also this is this is the business of the of the of the bank. So they want to keep as many uh, mini futures in uh, uh, traded as as possible. So uh, they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot. So uh, they would never uh, call a call a, a mini future. So so therefore this 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 open ended type of mini future is actually a, a perpetual option. Um, and to to make the, the to make the, the matter a bit worse, it's it's not time homogeneous per, perpetual option. So um, it um, the value of of the of the gap risk of the protection depends actually on what uh, not only on the spot and how far the spot is from the barrier, but also what time during the day you price it. For example, if you have mm. let's say we have a a mini future that is very close to to the barrier, maybe one percent of the barrier, um, and you, we look at it at nine o'clock in the morning when the market opens. Well, <clears throat> there is a good chance that the mini future will knock out during the day because you are close to the barrier. So there's there's a probability that the barrier will be touched, and therefore you don't have overnight risk anymore. Um, um, so so the 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 value of the of the of the gap risk is lower in the morning while in the afternoon or in the evening at at 5:30 in the evening when when the european market closes um the value of the gap risk will increase a lot because you are close to the barrier but you're not touching the barrier and overnight this can go uh, go down breach the breach the barrier and cause a a, a negative pnl therefore there is this intraday logic intraday uh, dynamic of the of the mini future that needs to be taken into account when you when you price it and um and uh, uh, the solution of this um, periodic perpetuality does not exist. Uh, it's not available in 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 a, in a Monte Carlo PD approach. Uh, so so something else needed to be to be done with this, and that's the 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 the, the new method that uh, that the paper brings. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, just a curiosity: is is this a common a commonly known problem. Uh, you said that there's no even standard practice for for pricing, uh, or, or maybe it's not it's not publicized enough. But is this a known a known issue with uh, with mini futures? I think people people um, realize that um, um, that there is um, there is this perpetuality condition that you need to need to solve somehow. And but they I think. Most of the time, people just just try to approximate it some some somehow. For example, by taking n number of days and calculating mm. it as if it was a constant maturity with n n days expiry, which um, um, has has um, some brings other problems that uh, maybe if you if you take very short number of days, very small n. You might uh, 
uh, under uh, price the, the risk. If you take too many days, then you are uh, going to run uh, for a long time, which is which might be a problem if you quote on the on the exchange. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. And just so we understand better what this means for the bank's books, uh, what magnitude of risk is at stake in case of mispricing of mini futures? Well, the, the mini future risk um, is a bit tricky to gauge. Um, for an outsider looking looking at uh, what happens during the year, um, it might seem that nothing really happens, and that might be true for a big part of the time. But there is one uh, um, occasion where uh, it's very important to have um, the uh, the model uh, to you to to help you um, correctly price the mini future, and that is the tricky part is around the earning dates, and also uh, perhaps around the big digital announcements like Fed or elections. So, so this is actually the, the time when most of the PNL losses happen. Uh, in such a case, the risk in the mini future is, is similar to the risk of um, very short-term, deep out-of-the-money puts. So the modeling of the mini future needs to take into account um, the, the information provided by these puts, which is basically the, the information on the move after earnings announcement, um, and it needs to price it in. So that's that's one part. And then outside of this interesting period of, of earnings, um, the trader is exposed to, to that catastrophic uh, jump risk. And even though this jump does not materialize that often, the risk uh, um, that trader has needs to be um, needs to be taken into account and and uh, um, there needs to be a compensation for that in terms of, of price. So, so if there is a mispricing, what can happen is that um, hedge funds or, or, or clever investors pile into the position that you are mispricing just before the earnings uh, announcements. And then you might have an outsized position exactly at the time where you don't want it to have it. So uh, to answer the, the, the question, um, in terms of the size of, of the risk, um, if if there is mispricing, you might be looking at at uh, at losses of the order of uh, uh, a whole year of PNL in that particular underlying. Which sounds definitely very sizable. So, what what is the solution that you come up with? The solution is um, taking uh, this really perpetual nature characteristic of the, of the of the open-ended mini future and uh, write a, a, a valuation equation for the gap risk so in principle you know that uh, there is a, a a natural beat of the of the mini future a natural natural period which is one business day if nothing else mm -hmm. changes the value of the gap risk today at nine o'clock in the morning is the same as tomorrow nine o'clock in the morning let's say the spot and market data didn't change then 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 you have this 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 symmetry this this time symmetry this tra translational symmetry and uh, um, uh, and one can use this in order to to write the expected value of the gap risk today as a as a as a function of uh, the gap risk tomorrow and some probabilities of knocking out and 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 or or paying paying uh, some um, the protection if if the if, if the the barrier is breached 
so that that turns out uh, to to be a an um, implicit integral uh, equation where you have your gap risk on left side and also on the right side as an, under an integral, and that that's actually a Fredholm integral equation of the second type. So when, once you write this for your model of the dynamics of the uh, of the uh, of the spot of the underlying, then you can you can solve this using some some quadratures, and uh, um, and obtain the, this way the uh, the solution that uh, that takes into account uh, the intraday dynamics of 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 the mini future that the one that I explained before. So so this is what. Uh, what the, the the paper proposes, um, mm. writing of this uh, this equation and solving it. Um, another um, important point I think is when you add these catastrophic jumps to the equation, you need to calibrate them somehow. And uh, um, what is important to 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 understand is how to calibrate these these uh, uh, these jumps. And uh, and I argue that uh, that uh, uh, the crash cliques are the most um, suitable instruments from the market that you you should use to to calibrate uh, these jumps. Uh, I see. I see. Uh, what are the results? How would you summarize them? And what is the effect uh, ultimately on on pricing when you apply this uh, this solution? So the the result is a is a pseudo analytical method that takes into account intraday dynamics. Um, which is which is uh, uh, dealing with the fact that risk is not the same in the morning as in the evening. Then it also takes into account the catastrophic jump risk. Uh, it also takes into account um, events like earnings announcements and uh, also you know, kind of uh, periods with increased overnight risk like holidays, weekends. And the the um, uh, the nice thing is also. Um, the fact that that the solution of this this um, Fredholm integral equation is uh, a full spot ladder of of prices, so, so and that is that is very important when you when you, when you quote on an exchange because it allows you to quickly obtain the whole uh, spot ladder of the of the solutions which you, you you then can interpolate on the exchange so that you don't get um, arbitraged uh, by high frequency uh, traders. Um, so basically, the, the 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 result of this is an automatic management of of the tricky earnings periods of the of the intraday dynamics, and also you know how much to charge for the for the jump risk. I see. I see. Interesting. Um, should we switch to the uh, the other work you have published recently? And uh, talk about how you suggest uh, deriving and implying volatility surface for assets that are uh, illiquid, or actually, you might correct me for uh, strikes who are illiquid, which are illiquid. Um, so you published this paper in in October. Can we uh, just set up the problem first? So why uh, in those uh, for those assets? It, it is difficult to uh, draw a uh, volatility surface that is consistent with the observable uh, prices in the market. Yeah, I think I think this is a very common uh, problem. Um, we see 
lots of uh, cases where where underlying um, volatility surface is poorly quoted, and that can happen because you have missing strikes. You might have um, maturities that appear and disappear. Um, you you have volatile spreads that change during the day and uh, in, might induce um, noise in your in your fitting of the volatility surface. Or after all, you can you you also have the extreme where you have no data at all, or maybe just mm -hmm. just some indication from OTC market where a couple of strikes would trade, but you don't have the whole volatility surface. So frequently you actually need to know where the data would be if it was there <laughs> it's uh it's something that uh that uh that happens a lot that it for these illiquid assets you need to assert your view more often than in, in in the case of of liquid assets and um quoting these these liquid assets to to clients then then requires cleaning of the available data to make sure it's consistent in consistent as a, as a group of data, uh, then you also need to, to be able to extrapolate in a non-arbitrable fashion, both in strike and, and time. And then lastly, but 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 not, not uh, to be forgotten, is, is you need to ensure that you have a stability of, of the surface. And um, this is especially important because of that noise of, of the quoted data that you can get where, where the, the, the spreads uh, can can vary the, the the mid can jump uh from one uh, place to another and 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 this stability actually is something really really important especially for 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 Warner's business where um it is it might not be as important to to be um completely in line with the um with the standard option market but it's it is super important not to have instability in your pricing because that that is one of the cases when you get picked up and 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 arbitraged by 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 hedge funds or high frequency traders and, and just to clarify you um you mentioned and i think it is in the paper as well this is not just about small caps with an illiquid option market but it can be a problem also for large caps with uh, uh, you know, points in their uh, in their strikes that are not traded frequently, so out of the money uh, and 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 this sort of uh, this sort of strikes, right? Absolutely. So even for for some indices, some traded indices, or very um, liquid underlyings, you might have new maturities that appear, uh, maybe. Uh, the, the sixth weekly maturity or uh, or the fifth um, quarterly maturity that just appeared. There's very there are not that many um, market makers that are quoting at, at the moment. And um, um, and these maturities, these new fresh maturities. Might have a completely different uh, um, liquidity uh, measure than than all the other ones. That's the, the, the uh, there might be only a, a certain part of the of the strike quoted, maybe add money plus minus five percent. Uh, in which case, you you really need to be able to to extrapolate the maturity to to the wings, um, because otherwise you you 
you can't add it to to the volatile disturbance, and you want mm -hmm. you do want to have it there because it, it 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 is an indication where the where the level of volatility is, but only that indication where the 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 level is, but but no uh, quality skew uh, information is passing. So that's that's uh, um, so, so so that's a typical case, and 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 it shows that all these tools that deal with the liquid um, volatility surfaces need to be um, present also for very standard, typically liquid uh, underlyings. I see. So, in your solution to to this problem, you look at maturities and strikes of uh, of the underlying uh, from a liquidity perspective. C could you tell us how how that works? Yeah. So, so the the, the algorithm does not bring a, a new parameterization of the volatile sur surface, but rather it proposes an, uh, a way to to fill in the the gaps. Uh, so the the idea is to to use the um, the data, the existing data that is coming from from the market, and to generate the rest that is missing. And we do want the the, the high quality. Uh, part of that the data to have a bigger impact on on the on the volatility surface than than the low quality liquid strikes or liquid maturities. So in, in fact, so the, the the quality is um, is measured by liquidity. So for a strike, you can say whether a strike is liquid or not by looking at the at the bit of a spread. And uh, for a maturity, for the whole maturity, you can look at average spread, but also at the density of quoted strikes. So if you if you have uh, your concentration of of strikes quoted are only around the maturity, and nothing in the wings, then then obviously that maturity is not that very liquid. And then um, once you categorize um, your uh, or your or you. You measure the liquidity of your strikes and then maturities, then you can start um, fitting or, or or generating the 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 missing strikes for every maturity by maturity in a bootstrapping way, um, and uh, uh, to ensure that the quality data um, have more impact on the on on the volatility surface. Um, you start doing the bootstrapping in the decreasing order of liquidity. I see. I see. So is the bootstrapping uh, looking at the uh, maturities sorted by liquidity, which in a sense sounds simple, but uh, I'm sure in reality there are going to be uh, some difficulties in applying this. So, and once you sorted maturities by liquidity, how, how do you proceed? How does your uh, methodology continue? The algorithm then 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 does uh, a couple of more steps. It first it cleans the data, it removes outliers in spread, and also the options that are arbitrageable. And then it it extrapolates in strike, and here it, it it's using an algorithm, um, um, an algorithm uh, um, that uh, was uh, developed by Cassio Neri and Lawrence. Uh, Schneider. It's a very nice uh, piece of work. Uh, I'm glad I found it. Uh, this uh, algorithm uses entropy maximization to obtain the volatilities of the extrapolated strikes. 
So this this is the, the second uh, second step, and the, and the, and the last one is um, uh, it extrapolates in maturities for the maturities that are not there, not existent, and they are extremely poorly quoted. It extrapolates in in those maturities using the time translation, which is uh, a tool that uh, takes the multi distribution function of um, a, a maturity that is quoted and moves it further in time while guaranteeing uh, the, the non-arbitrage. Who is this uh, useful for? Is it, uh, is it designed for the traders or is it a risk management tool? Um, or, or why is this important? I think uh, traders and, and market makers are obviously uh, the first in line to benefit from a stable and consistent volatility surface. But uh, um, I think the same goes on for, for risk managers and, and pretty much anybody using implied volatility uh, and um, and especially in the cases that the the uh, liquidity of that underlying is is lower or variable in time um, one needs to take into consideration these these uh, these uh, ideas to make sure that uh, that you have uh, a consistent volatility surface uh, and a stable one I see I see well what does typically happen uh, at a maturity where the marked volatility is either non-existent or uh, or has got a large uh, a large spread uh, is are you not pricing at all uh, and obviously you're using this technique now or you have this tool at your disposal uh, so you can do something about it but what does typically happen when you don't have a solution to fill that gap so do you sort of give up on pricing on that point or do you make like a, a, a more approximate uh, gap filling solution? Uh, that is actually a very, very good question. Um, in the absence of uh, of market data, uh, I, I believe it is, it is actually the, the job of the trader to to make up the, the, the mid around which to center the, the bid-ask uh, quotes. Um, I think it's exactly here that that an algorithm to to extrapolate and to to fill in the, the gaps can help by by, by generating the, the the skew of unquoted maturities or or extrapolating to from from whatever information the trader has. Mm -hmm. I think it's 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 really it's really the trader the trader's view then has to come. Okay, I I'm happy to do it here. I'm uh, I'm happy to uh, to get some insight from a proxy and then generate my own volatility surface uh, based based on some some algorithm that has uh, some um, some input uh, and the, the algorithm is able to to then uh, fill for all the other uh, parts where there is no data. Interesting. Uh, I'd like to 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 ask you, how do you decide to start a project, a research project like uh, one of the two we just discussed? Um, they sound very practical, but would you say they are mostly of academic interest, and you worked on them to achieve theoretical rigor, or are they solving problems that you actually observe in practice, and they are uh, can potentially be applied in a, in a trading desk? Well, I'm 
I'm a I'm a practitioner. I I, I sit next to traders, and pretty much all my research is is seeded by a trader's question. Maybe I need to quote something non-standard or or to improve something to to do something in a better way. So the goal is is always to to get the solution to run in production. And so far, all my all my papers only appeared after the idea has been tried and tested daily in 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 a production environment. So I I think uh, I'm very much uh, of a practical guy that solves issues. And that is what you've done so far. How about the future? Uh, what other projects do you think you'll be work, uh, working on? I think it's uh, it's probably going to stay in, in a similar um, direction. So there are a couple of interesting things that uh, that uh, uh, is, uh, that surfaced uh, recently. Um, one of uh, the areas that uh, that seems very interesting to me is the um, is the um, period of of the earnings. Uh, so there is a the market implies some earnings move, and I would like to be able to. Um, to extract as much information about this uh, as possible to, to get the implied distribution of this uh, uh, of this move that the market expects. So to be able to 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 say something about the size, but also about the skewness of the, of the move. And then another area of interest, uh, and this is a long-standing one for for me, um, is the phenomenology of uh, correlation skew, and both in in equity basket and also in FX crosses. And this is something um, close to my heart because um, uh, I used to trade correlation as well. Uh, I uh, was interested in, in, in modeling the stochastic correlation, modeling the skew. So uh, this is somehow uh, stays with me, and uh, and I, I continue digging into into interesting uh, uh, aspects of uh, of this uh, business. Fantastic, and I'll make sure we will keep an eye on the progress. Or, or of those uh, research projects. Thank you. Uh, Vale, thanks very much for joining us today. It was great talking to you. Thanks for sharing your insights about your recent works. Thanks so much, Mauro. It was uh, a great pleasure to, to speak with you. And thanks everybody for listening. <laughs>